Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode. And today we're going to talk about all of the things we wish we'd known as beginner artists. But before we get onto that, just a quick reminder that if you like what we do and you'd like to help support us here at Kicking the Creatives, you can do so by buying us a coffee. And this really does help with the cost of running Kicking the Creatives. And you can find the link to that on our website. Yeah, it's Kofi, isn't it? Spelled K-O-F-I. Yeah. Uh, we also want to thank our sponsor. Sponsor. We also sponsor. want to thank our sponsor, Evolve. <laughs> Evolve can teach you how to paint in a realism style to a professional level in a year or less. Not only do they provide all the lessons and support online, but they also send you all the materials you need. And I think that is a really tricky thing, isn't it? Knowing what to buy. Yeah. So you can watch a webinar from Evolve by going to kickinthecreatives.com forward slash Evolve webinar. And that is free as well. Yeah, the, web, the webinar is completely free and I think they just give you a little masterclass in how to paint. Yeah. And to hear more about the program, you can also go back and listen to a couple of podcast episodes we did, um, episodes 67 and 73. And thanks to everyone who's been sharing their work for the challenges with us on social media. And, um, oh my gosh, October is my very favourite month for our challenges. I love October. And um, I, th- I think it's all the kind of, I don't know, it's the build up to Halloween and I just love this time of year. And Lorena, because oh, I'm so sorry if I can't pronounce your surname, Lorena Ariadna, I hope I've pronounced that right. Um, Lorena has been doing the Creeptober challenge, which is my favourite challenge. And I really loved her drawing for day three with the prompt mask. And she drew this really kind of creepy looking dude, you know, holding a lamp with a black cat. And it made me feel all Halloween-y. And uh, I love Halloween. Do you like Halloween, Tara? No, not really. You don't? I really no. enjoy it. It's not like we do anything for it, but I always remember the kids, they used to get so excited. And I just love oh. that. Yeah, I love I love this month. This month is has always been my favourite time of year. Uh, anyway, moving on, he- Heather Lynn Baskin. She is doing the Quick Kick October, which is drawing uh, one subject every day for the whole month, and she has chosen hands, which I think is a really good one to choose because if you can master hands, you can master anything. And not only that, but there are all sorts of gestures you could draw them in depending on your mood so i like that one um roving jay still plugging away at the kick 365 challenge and she is so close to the finishing line now and uh and i'm gonna miss that when she stops because i've really really enjoyed her her drawings and um yeah maybe she'll do it again i don't know but she's also doing the october poet challenge as well and um have you seen some of her poems Tara. Yeah, I saw one because I did ask her if she actually made it up herself. I wasn't sure if she was like using, you know, existing poetry, but yeah, it was great. Yeah, she does make them up herself, doesn't she? Yeah, she does, yeah. Yeah, and there was one particular one, I want to read it out. It's only it's only really, really short, but I really liked it. It says, um, if your family were made of gold, would they be kept or quickly sold? How much value do they keep? when all they do is make us weep with tears of joy and ones of pain 
our family's blessings or a bane. Anyway, after that, I thought about it for a bit and I thought, yeah, I'd sell mine. What about you? <laughs> Would you keep your family or sell them? <laughs> depends on the day, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm only kidding. I wouldn't really sell. I'd have to, well, it depends on the, the price, I guess. On the person. <laughs> on the person, yeah. Yeah, and the person. What about you, Tara? What's caught your eye? So I really liked a picture that Jenny Walker Draws did. It was a Fantastic Friday. And she drew, there was an old guy who was smoking a cigarette. And she did, it was kind of a black and white watercolour, but very angular. And I really like the angular shading she did on there. Oh, I think I saw that one. Yeah. Beckett Art and Design, he did a fantastic Fantastic Friday, also of the same smoking man. His drawings of people are fantastic. I love Michael's drawings. Yeah, And then Matthew G. Ashbrook, he's doing 31 Days of Cars for Quick Kick Hocker Top. Quick kick, quick, kick, quick kick October. Now, I'm not really a fan of cars, but what I really like he's done is he's drawn them really quirkily, but then he's also put interesting stories with them. So there was one about a car, I think he's, I don't know if it's a granddad or something had, but water, the, the top wouldn't go up and down. I think it was one of those ones where you take it off. So his granddad used to always just drive around with the top down, so it just used to get wet, basically. Sometimes he had an umbrella. Oh, yeah, because some of them had just poppers, didn't they? Do you remember? To, you you put them on with poppers yeah, so and you'd you, stop and take them off, off so if it rained. Off, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If it rained, yeah. you'd get soaked trying to put the roof back on. <laughs> Bizarre yeah. design. So, yeah, that was it. Anyway, what is new with you? Well, I thought um, we, instead of sharing what's new with me and what's new with you, we should share this time what is new with us. Tara, do you agree? We've got yes, some exciting go news, it. haven't we? Yeah. I mean, we've been blabbing on for a while that we're working on an online course. Um, and we finally actually released it. And it's all about creating characters and cartoons. And uh, we start with how to get ideas for your cartoons or your characters. And then we move on to how to get those ideas down on paper. And this course, we've put a lot of time and effort into it. And um, it's suitable for all ages. It doesn't matter if you're eight or you're 80. Um, So if you fancy having a bit of fun creating some cartoons, then it's, I think, the course for you. Yeah, right now we're doing an early bird offer of just $29. So if you're stuck for Christmas ideas, this can make the perfect gift for someone who you know who likes drawing. And you can find the link to the course on our website or if you go to kickinthecreatives.com forward slash cartoon course and there you can find out a bit more. And I would say that like 90% of what we do with Kick in the Creatives is free. So if you are interested, it'd be a great way you could support us. Do you know what? I think that'd be a really nice Christmas gift to get, don't you? So different as yeah. well, not just like the pair of socks or pants or whatever. <laughs> It'd be like, oh, okay, this is different. Yeah, yeah so just think... go go around pantless for the year. Yeah, but you'll be yeah, good don't... at drawing cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, really, that that is what's new with us, and we haven't had time to do anything for ourselves that's new because we've been working on the course and actually trying to get this thing published and actually out there online probably took us longer than <laughs> longer to to do than actually make the course in the end it was so complicated wasn't it tara which we, we yeah. neither of us were found it very um what's the word intuitive Easy. Easy. <laughs> so it took it took a while but anyway yeah it's out there it's out there so uh really really excited about that 
Um, but on to today's topic, which um, we thought was a fun one. We're going to talk about the things that we wish we'd known when we were beginner artists. And I'm hoping it might help some of our listeners who've just started out on their creative adventure. Um, so I'm going to start with the first thing that I wish for. And that is that I had realised at a much, much earlier age that art was the thing that I was going to be good at and enjoy. And if I'd have known that earlier, then I'd have put so much more time into that kind of thing and, and much earlier on in my life. The internet obviously wasn't around back then in the dark ages <laughs> when we were like, well, in the 80s or whatever. So there was just no such thing as an online course or anything like that. So um, looking back, if I could start again now, I'd have, I'd have probably actually, and you'll probably um, gasp when you hear me say this, Tara, but I would have done a foundation course straight from school. And that would have obviously opened me up to all sorts of creative ideas. I wouldn't have gone on to do um, uh, an art course from there, I don't think. But just, you know, the foundation course is all about just dabbling in a bit of everything, isn't it? And I think that would have been really is, good yeah. for me. Um and I think just finding my passion for it at a much earlier age would have just been really good for me. I always think back to that um, that lovely story. Do you remember the story, Tara, that um, Andy J. Pisa spoke about on our podcast? It was the one the about one. the yeah the penguin, the penguin who felt lost amongst the seagulls, and I really related to that because I was definitely a penguin at school um but if i'd have realized that unlike the seagulls i could also fly but just under the water and not in the air then i would have realized that i was just as good as everyone else it's just that i was good at the things that they weren't and they were good at the things i wasn't um and honestly that story is so heartwarming if you want to hear the whole penguin story i highly recommend you go back and listen to that episode with andy j pizza i think it's episode 66 um but it's well worth a listen you know i i think about that too i often think about that i wish i hadn't i wish i'd known back then that graphic design was wrong for me because i think god i would be so much better by now but we do we do forget that like because we didn't have the internet there wasn't so many resources that could teach you things back then yeah. so like you say there was nothing that could open up your mind so much was there no In, into different things so if even if you went to college and and you want you sort of you liked one aspect of something there was very difficult to sort of follow that follow that along wasn't it yeah, and, unless and you I, found a book or something, exactly. And and you know, I mean, unless you know what you want to do, and I do think the internet does help a lot of people um, figure out what they want to do a bit earlier in life, doesn't it? Because we see so much more, we we know so much more. And back when I was at school, I mean, I used to like coloring and things like that, you know, like every other kid. But I would have found much more value in what I was doing when I was getting told off for drawing in my margins. I wouldn't have cared. I'd have just thought, well, I need to do this because this is going to be my future. Do you know what I, mean? yeah. I don't care yeah. what you say. And I don't care if I don't get an A in maths because um, I've just Cause it doesn't matter. some drawings instead. You know, I don't care yeah. about any of that stuff. I wish I'd known that kind of thing so much earlier. And just because back then, if I'm honest, um, certainly in the, you know, late 80s, I, I think that... Um, being going to art college, and I even remember my my dad and 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 quite a few other people I knew, adults, saying, "Oh God, you know, people that go to art college, it's just a cop out. 
you know it's 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 just an easy thing to do and you know I've no idea what it was like back then at art college I had no experience of it and but I don't think it was a cop-out I just think it's that somebody found what they wanted to do and decided to take it further but back then I think most people just thought no get a real job (laughs) but of course back then they didn't realize how quickly things were going to move on and we'd get the internet and people would start being able to make money a lot more easily in art than they could back then because obviously back then it would be all about trying to get into a gallery wouldn't it that kind of thing so um yeah Yeah. I I suppose just just knowing just knowing earlier that it was going to be a lot more valuable in my life than the other things I was trying to be good at was never going to be good at. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just just yeah. knowing those things earlier would have been brilliant. Do you know, I wish I hadn't got hung up on understanding the nuances of perspective, which I still don't understand even now, but I remember trying to read about it in books and it just seemed so complicated. There was like, okay, three-point perspective, two-point perspective, one-point perspective... And I'd be like thinking, okay, but what if the thing goes up and down a hill? How do we yeah. work it out then? And it just seemed bizarre that you needed to know all these rules. And what I need know now is that really all you need to be able to do is look at what you're drawing. And, you know, you can always hold out your ruler and think, okay, that line tips downwards or that line tips upwards. I mean, I'm sure there is value to learning it, but unless you're a person who likes drawing architecturally or very detailed i just don't think it's necessary do you no i just think it's the art of seeing yeah, <laughs> it's, definitely. Just, it's just seeing it's looking at and observing that's all you need to know you don't really need to know the um you know the rules i say that in quotations do you know what i mean the rules yeah, are, I, it, I know. It, like you say you could there are rules but then that is adjusted if you're standing on i don't know a hill or looking up it's it it can seem very complicated and actually the books that i've i've seen and read on perspective they make me want to run a mile i'm like oh god that's just ridiculous that's so um the complex in the way they've tried to explain it it actually makes it sound a lot more complicated than it really is you know i mean i do understand perspective now but and but it and it's very hard to actually find a simple way of explaining it so yeah just look that's all you need you don't actually have to to understand it you don't have to understand why that that angle is the way it is just draw it the way you see it and it'll be right you know yeah yeah. i sometimes think we get too bogged down with all these rules and, you know, it stops us just having a bit of fun while we're drawing. While we're on holiday this year, you know when you go somewhere that's very near the coast, they always have pictures up that are kind of nautical, don't they? Yeah. And um, while we were there this year, they had these big pictures that were they were actually quite nice. They were like a bit illustrative, almost slightly childlike illustrations. Yeah. With um, these coastal scenes and there might be a cat in a window and or a seagull or something, and then all the scene behind it. But what they'd done was they deliberately ignored perspective. Yeah, I love I those. Thought, How clever you are, <laughs> uh, yeah. artist. Because not only does that remove that headache of trying to work out how the perspective is going to work, but it actually also gives it a really fun, quirky look. Actually, there's and an artist in Cornwall I, um, that does that. And uh, last time we went to Cornwall, there was loads of those nautical 
um, paintings. And, and it was almost like, well, it was the same thing where the boats almost looked like they were floating in the air rather than in the sea because they weren't, there was something about them, the perspective was obviously not right. And some yeah. of them looked flat, like they must be tipped over sort of thing. But instead of being perfectly upright on the water, it almost looked like they'd been drawn flat, floating sideways up. But there was something so quirky about it. And, you know, it makes you, it begs the question, I think, does does the artist really mean to do that? Or do they just really not get perspective? But it doesn't matter anyway, because it makes their style so quirky that it makes yeah, it... I, I sometimes think they, they've started out and they've thought this makes it a lot easier plus I like the look of it yeah yeah mm. so it, it, these these days I don't even think it really matters I think these days it's all about just um making a nice what, what something would could somebody would consider a really nice I don't know fun piece of work I mean, especially yeah. especially like now with sketches we're encouraged aren't we to draw I don't know, with the lines wobbly or, you know, and, and there's something very characterful about that. And actually, sometimes when I see now the perfect sketches that are actually very, very, like, especially with buildings, they're still nice little drawings, but they are perfectly, in, the perspective is absolutely right and the lines are absolutely straight. I kind of realise now that I find that slightly dull to look at. I actually prefer the ones where it's slightly off or... Maybe the building's leaning over or, do you know what I mean? Or the roof's really wobbly. I kind of like that. Yeah. So I wish that I had realised just how important keeping a sketchbook is. And I don't just mean keeping a sketchbook, but I mean actually using it and using it regularly as well. I wish I'd realised that a sketchbook was about learning and it wasn't about filling a book with these perfect little drawings and that the wobbly lines are far more characterful than straight ones. You know, embrace the wobbly bits. I think that's something we learn to um, live with with age, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Whether we like it or not. So let's embrace it in the sketchbook. You know, I, always, I really also wish that when I finally bought my first sketchbook, that I hadn't waited so long to actually start using it. I've said before, I think I waited about six months before I finally did my first drawing because I was really afraid to spoil my sketchbook. So if I could start all over again, I think what I'd have done is I would have challenged myself to fill a sketchbook page every single day or maybe aim to fill a whole sketchbook a month uh, for the first year that I was drawing. And I think that way I wouldn't have just formed a really good habit, but I think I would have progressed an awful lot quicker as well. I wish that I'd realised it's okay to experiment and that's all part of your progression as an artist. Because when I was young, so this would be when I was a teenager from about 14 to 17, I really didn't even think about experimenting. Like once I'd learned to paint in watercolours, that was just what I did. And it wasn't really very surprising that I actually got bored of doing that because you know that I get bored if I'm not experimenting. Mm. But I just didn't, didn't even cross my mind. It was like, that is what I do. I could only copy realistic things that were either in front of me or actually in a photo. And so I think sometimes it takes either someone or something like a challenge to actually open your mind to the possibility that you can do other things. Do you think that that's largely because back then you, we weren't open to such a lot of visual, I don't know, um, art or other people's yes. work as we are now? 
Yeah, and I also think, because I was at school and I had a very traditional art teacher who painted realism, tra- basically playing trains of realism. Mm. So that was his thing. And he, I mean, back then even, he, he must have been, I don't know how old, he seemed about 60. He was probably 30, wasn't he? <laughs> but back then he seemed like he was about he was about 60, but very old school. And, you know, he, you could... Ask him a question about how do I how do I lay down this wash or something, but there was no way that he was ever going to suggest. Oh, why don't you try some collage? Mm. Or do you know what I mean? He would yeah. never. It, it would. Ju- it just wasn't in him. That wasn't what he did. He wouldn't suggest trying something different because he liked painting that way. It's funny, isn't it? So when, I, when, I look, when I look back. I actually think you get more of that in primary school where you're cutting or things out. Yeah, like in you don't primary get taught, though, do you? Well, you, but you sit in, you all sit around the table, you have like almost play, like play time where you're sort of just cutting things out and sticking things down and colouring them in. And you get more of that when you're sort of six. But when you get to secondary school, that's when it's much more. I don't know, it, it tight. It's not now, obviously, but I'm talking about back when we were at school. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it, a lot of it depends on who your, who your mentors, who your teachers were, and probably also the family that you come from. Like, are they artistic? So mine were always very encouraging of mm. my art. But, you know, they, they liked probably traditional art as well. So they yeah. were never probably going to say, why don't you try some collage? <laughs> no. Or try doing some abstract. <laughs> You know, because they just liked the watercolours. Yeah. I wish I hadn't tried to run before I could walk. I wish I'd spent much more time on simple drawing exercises instead of trying to produce um, a proper full-on drawing from day one. I, I always used to think that I needed at least an hour as well to even think about starting a drawing. But even just five or ten minutes is plenty of time, isn't it, to do some really cool exercises, you know, like, I don't know, blind contour, for instance, which I would never have dreamt of doing back then. And I think those sort of things teach us far more, don't they, than a full-on drawing does anyway. But, yeah, I mean, I, I basically, yeah. when I started learning or trying to learn, I would, I would, instead of thinking, okay, first of all, I need to learn um, mark-making, and then perhaps I need to learn, I don't know, to just look at shapes instead of labels and do you know what I mean instead I was thinking right today I'm going to try and draw a person or today I'm going to try and draw a building that's absolutely the wrong way of going about it you you have to start from those those drawing exercises I think if you it's a bit like learning to paint but skipping color theory you know, you're never going to get great at painting unless you understand colour theory. And that's something else I tried to skip. And I had to learn, I had to, I realised I had to go back and, and go, you know, and go into that because I thought, no, I'm not getting this, these colours are, are wrong. Trying to run before I could walk was something that really, really held me back. It's a bit like, I suppose, a sportsman, you know, thinking, right. I'm going to go and play football. I'm going to quickly brush up on the rules of football and then I'm going to go and play a game. 
But what a footballer does is they first learn to do kneeses. Is it knees ups or knee ups or whatever? I don't know. They keep keep it uppies, keep me uppies. <laughs> they'll, <laughs> they'll 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 learn to dribble the ball. They'll run round cones and things like that. They won't straight away go and think. Okay, they, you know, a, a coach would never say, okay. There's your team, there's your team, now play a game of football. They began, right, let's learn how to control this ball. Let's let's work on that for a few weeks and then we'll start talking about perhaps aiming the ball at, at, at a specific place. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just the same for drawing. You know, you just can't you can't expect to think, oh I'm gonna I'm gonna right, I'm gonna start drawing. I really wanna do this. Right, let me take my sketchbook out. I'm gonna go into a cafe, I'm gonna try and draw some people. It doesn't work like that. You're never gonna get any well, you might eventually, but it's gonna take you far, far longer than if you just, you know, start off with those simple exercises and work on those for a few months before you start going into, you know, actually drawing portraits or people or buildings, you know. So I wish I'd known that challenges are a good form of discipline for someone like me who wanders, you know, their mind wanders off. Because I remember the first time someone that I suggested that I have a go at the 100-day challenge. Now, this was before I was drawing by hand, so I was still doing digital stuff. Do you remember those post-it cartoons? I used to yeah, say? I do, yeah. So someone suggested I should create a cartoon a day, and I absolutely hated the idea of doing this. I just thought... That's unbelievable. How the hell could I ever do 100 cartoons? But, you know, I committed to it. And the person said, oh, at least you'll have a body of work then, one type of work. And some days it was incredibly hard. And weirdly enough, it was actually early on in the challenge that it was weird that it was harder. And I guess that's because you start building up the the ability to to do it. Um, but it really did stop me seeing the shiny objects around me and it really helped me focus. So if you're like me and you tend to want to try this and this and this, doing a challenge is definitely the way to go to, to focus in your concentration. I also wish I'd more readily tried suggestions from other people. Now, don't get me wrong, I would definitely not do some suggestions. Like if someone asked me to draw their dog... I'm not drawing it. But if someone suggests something, then it's just for your benefit, not for theirs. For example, do you remember you suggested that I should try putting multiple drawings on one page? Yes. In my sketchbook. Because before then, I'd only ever had one sketch on one page. Yeah. And I really hated the idea again of doing that. But when we went on holiday, I did some pages that look more like art journal pages. And I absolutely love those pages. I still like a couple of those pages now. But I obviously really wouldn't have done that without you suggesting that. And then also... Would you like to say that again in in different words? I I, I was right. No. It pains you to say it, doesn't it? (laughs) It does, yeah. But then also, artist Anna Zubarev, who we've had on the podcast, she suggested I paint my version of the Red Queen. Now, when she suggested this, it was another one of those like, no, I don't want to do that. Because I have these fixed ideas in my head that, you know, I think I can do and I, I like doing. But I thought, oh, you know, just try it. Go on, just give it a go. And it wasn't going to look like anybody else's conceived idea of the Red Queen. And I have to say, I was really happy with the result. Yeah. And I actually sold that NFT straight away. So doing something that someone else suggests can really 
push you out your comfort zone but just don't do it if you feel it, it is totally wrong. Like like I said, if someone asks you to do a dog portrait and you draw landscapes, don't do it. Oh, no. If it's something within your time. realm, <laughs> yeah. try it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wish I'd understood the term, draw what you see and not what you think you see. And I guess it kind of goes back a little bit to that perspective thing, doesn't it, that we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. Um, that's another thing where you draw what you see and not what you, you think you see. Um, I wish I'd understood that a lot earlier than I did. So so what it actually means is instead of thinking, I must draw that nose, I wouldn't be looking at it as a nose at all, but instead I'll look at it as a series of curves and shadows. So it's about removing the label from what you're looking at. Instead of thinking, at, at you know, oh, I'm drawing a nose, you're just drawing those shapes and, and those you know, the tonal differences, that kind of thing. You're shutting the left brain down and you're thinking from the right instead. And drawing upside down is a really, really good way of um, learning this lesson. So what you do, and if you've done our quick kick challenges um, throughout the year, you'll remember this. You take a photograph of something and you turn it upside down and you draw from that photograph. And this completely confuses the brain and it's forced to look at the shapes rather than the actual subject. So say, for instance, it's a person, you're no longer seeing a a foot, you're just seeing this shape because it's not like, you're not looking at it in the same way as you normally would be. So, you know, it's a great training exercise for the right side of the brain it it takes away those assumptions that your brain makes and it it makes you actually draw what you see what you're actually looking at I I really wish I'd understood that a lot earlier well I wish that I realized I can create more abstract work rather than just copying because I think what you don't think is basically it's a skill like anything else and what I mean by that is you tend to have this fixed idea on who you are as an artist like If you take, for example, when I was 16, I would have said, I'm an artist who paints street scenes in watercolour. Now, the problem with that is it's fine, you know, if I enjoy doing that, there's no problem. But I then don't see myself as someone who could paint abstract because I'm so fixed in my ideas. I would have thought they're absolutely mad if someone said I could do that. And I wouldn't have been comfortable trying it. But the only reason you're not comfortable is because you haven't done it before. Being more abstract is just a skill like anything else. And the first time you try anything like that, if, it, if you were trying to draw a watercolour the first time, it would feel really uncomfortable and not right. And it's just the same going more abstract. Even though I don't go completely abstract, actually someone actually did say to try that, and I have tried going completely abstract. Have you ever tried that before? No, not really. It's never really been my, my thing, I guess. But, the, but there is a no. real skill to it. I mean, you can tell an abstract artist that isn't really a, an, a skilled artist because you can tell they don't understand perhaps colour harmony or colour combinations and, pat, you know, all that kind of, I don't know. It doesn't balance. It doesn't. Yeah. There's no balance to it. You can really tell someone who knows their stuff with ab- abstracts. So, yeah, it's definitely a skill and it's a skill to be learned. Yeah. And I think yeah, just don't discount it if you haven't tried it. No. Um, also, I wish I'd embraced colour. Now, anybody will probably think this is quite bizarre because now I use a lot of colour in my work. But when I was young, I was really scared to use colour. 
And I think it came from an offhand comment from my mum, who who said to me once, I always prefer your pencil work to your colour. All she meant was I used to do these um, quite detailed pencil drawings when I was about, I don't know, 13 or something like that. And because I hadn't used colour much at the time, they obviously looked way better, which makes sense, doesn't it? I'd practice them more. Yeah. And she was just saying, she wasn't saying it to be funny about my colour stuff. She was just saying that she really liked my black and white work. But for some reason, you get things like that and they're wish in your head and then you think, I'm not good at colour. Yeah. It's funny, and isn't so, it? Yeah. And so I really did not want to use colour in my work. And I remember... I've said this before, a teacher at school said I should go and do an evening class, learn how to use watercolours so I could start putting some colour on my work. He says, you can't just keep doing black and white. But I really didn't want to because I thought I was bad at colour. I think it's particularly when your parents say something, isn't it? Because you know they're not going to lie. <laughs> no. You can, you can kind of ignore other people. But when, when um, a parent says something, no matter whether they mean it in whatever way, yep. you know, as a, as a positive or a negative or whatever you're gonna you're in a way we're programmed aren't we that we want to please our parents we we need to do you know we want to please them and so if they say "Mm, that's not that's not your best it you do you hang on to it like oh my gosh oh my gosh it's no good it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that at all but you kind of take it that way because I think because what your parents think of you means more than what anyone else in the world thinks Doesn't of that you, age, you know especially, mean? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're young. Mm. And it, it sort of, you sort of, again, label yourself with, I'm not good at colour, I'm good at black and white. Yeah. And that sticks with you for a long time, doesn't mm. it? Yeah. I wish that I hadn't rushed out and bought every single art material that ever existed um, in mankind. <laughs> I wasted so much money on stuff I just did not need. And if I went back to the beginning now, I would have invested in a really good um, selection of different pens. When I say really good, I don't mean millions. I just mean, you know, a basic selection with different sort of ends and different nibs and whatever. And a good sketchbook. And maybe a little watercolour set, but then that would have been it. Um, I mean, there's so much time, isn't there, to experiment with other things. But if you overwhelm yourself with so many art materials at the start, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. And if anything, it stifles your progression. I wish I realised that it was far better to start with a small selection and then add it to you as you progress. And it's funny because it's a bit like when I used to, when I started sort of sketching outdoors, going out and about doing a bit of urban sketching, I would pack absolutely everything, including the kitchen sink, in case I needed it. But what I found by doing that was I would spend half my time trying to work out what I was going to work with. And I'd be like, I'd be faffing about thinking, oh God, well, should I use this? Should I use that? And eventually I learned, actually, if I just take a sketchbook and a pen, I've got no choice. So that that decision's taken away from me anyway is I have to use a pen and a sketchbook and I found that I got so much more done straight away by doing that than I did when I took a load of other stuff with me as well and now I I do take a few other things but it's just a few other things it's not my whole entire art studio do you know what I mean but this is the interesting thing I say that I wish I'd never bought so many art materials 
But equally, I really wish that um, about, I think it's about four years ago, I went through my art studio and said, I've got to get, I've got to make some room. I've got so much stuff here that I'm never going to use. I know I'm never going to use it. I'm just going to get rid of it. So I got rid of oil pastels, which I hated. I got rid of soft pastels, which I couldn't be bothered with because they were too messy. I got rid of so many things like that that I don't use in my work. And you might think, well, okay, yeah, that sounds fair enough because I'm an oil painter. But actually, you know, now I, I'm more, you know, more inclined to do different things in my sketchbook. And I want to experiment a bit more in my sketchbook. And now I'm like, I wish I had those. And I wish, oh, I, wish I hadn't chucked that away. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah. so, yeah, so, so as much as don't buy everything you see, also, if you bought it, never get rid of it because you never know. As you progress and as you get further on into your art adventure, then you'll probably find yourself thinking, oh, I'd quite like to try that now. I have the most ridiculous amount of art materials it's crazy like yeah like four different lots of oil pastels and it's like why have you got four yeah it's crazy isn't it it's crazy it's like because i've obviously seen someone else use and think oh they must be good they use them really well (laughs) you've already got some yeah crazy i wish i'd known to try medium more than once before dismissing it which is probably a bit like you saying you got rid of all your materials yeah. Um, the thing with any medium is it's got a learning curve and it can be used in many different ways. So if you're new to trying something, maybe set yourself a challenge or something to get used to it. I mean, that's how Inktober came about, isn't it? Mm. Because um, what's his name? The guy who started it, Jake? Yeah, Jake. Jake? Yeah. Jake decided he wanted to get good at using his brush pen. So he, he started the challenge because of that. So maybe set yourself a challenge or... If not, set yourself a time limit that you're going to use this thing for. You're just going to stick with using this medium and then decide whether to dismiss it or not. Yeah. But even then, if you do dismiss it, don't, like you say, don't get rid of it. Because in a year's time, you might have completely changed how you work. Or you might see, like I did with charcoal, you might suddenly see a video of someone using it differently. So, you know, using it with matte medium or gesso and think, oh, I'm going to try that and really like a different way of working. I mean, I remember I didn't like fountain pens at all until I tried the Safari calligraphy one. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. But I think you told me about it. But you can Lammy get much Joy. wider. I think it's a Lammy it Joy. Joy. I think, well, mine ah, is, probably. yeah. It, it's a Lammy but, Joy pen, I think. But I re- really liked you could get a real different variety of lines without really thick ones and thin ones which i didn't like with all the other fountain pens because i just found them all quite scratchy and boring yeah um, and i say i didn't think i liked charcoal until i started using it with matte medium so yeah don't give up on something keep giving it a try i wish that i'd stopped comparing myself to artists who had way more experience than I did you know the artists who I compared myself to back then were years ahead of me you know um I might be at that level now of course but it's taken me years of practice to get there and but what's funny is now of course I, I look at artists who are years ahead of me again do you know what I mean <laughs> but these days yeah. I don't compare myself I just I just think I I just find myself inspired to just keep getting better and keep moving forward but um 
Yeah, never compare because every single person has started at exactly the same point as where you're starting. So that's what you've got to look at. I like it when you look at someone that you used to um, think, wow, their work is incredible. Yeah. And then maybe you look back at in a year's time and it's not that you still don't like their work, but it no longer seems as out of reach as it did before. Oh, yeah. It's, that's a and that's such a good you know feeling. Progressed. Such yeah. a good feeling to think, yeah, God, I can, I can do that and more. And now it's brilliant, yeah. you know. It, and it really does show such a, um, such a progression in yourself. It's brilliant when, when you sort of, you see those kind of people that you just wish you could. Oh, I so wish I could produce something like that. And now you're like, yeah, I can. But five years yeah. ago, you were kind of reaching for it. But it's just about it's just about experience, isn't it? Yeah, and I wish also that just because someone doesn't like what you create doesn't mean that it's not good. And I wish I knew that. Because your family and your friends may not be the target market for your work. That's if you're planning to sell it. Because art is so much about taste and you're never gonna please everybody. And if you create art that's a little weird like me, no not everybody's gonna like that, are they? And especially you know, if you've got, say, friends, family who like mainstream, you know, pretty landscapes mm. and, and stuff, they're probably not going to like the weird face you draw or not necessarily <laughs> going to like it. And I also wish I'd sought out people who would encourage me because when I was younger, you know, I didn't really have anyone around me who was arty, I don't think. You know, even at school, I don't think there were many arty people in my year or not keen arty people Mm. it was probably me who was the keenest and having arty people around you or you know conversing with other arty people makes so much difference and now it's much easier because you don't have to be in the same room or the same city as them you can just go online and find other people that you can talk to you know and, and see what they're doing and talk about it but back then it was more of a case of is there anyone local wasn't it yeah, I think so. I think as well. I think some. I think that's really why I didn't really know what even art was my thing. I mean, I had friends I drew with and stuff like that, but it wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't know many people who were really, really into art. Do you know what I mean? Didn't they encourage you at school? No, no, no. I mean, we had art. Did classes they know you could draw? Um, no, oh. no, not really. I don't think it was any. No, it was never picked up on. No, but but that back then probably I couldn't. It wasn't that I could draw. Oh, even right. I, I probably didn't yeah. have the experience to even. I wasn't somebody probably who was would have been picked out as someone who could have really been an artist or anything like that. I, I don't think it's about being able to draw though. It's about picking up on someone who's creative or who's. And I always think actually, and I particularly think about this when I think of troubled kids. You know. I always think that, well, a lot of the troubled kids I know or I've known in the past may be the ones that are dyslexic at school and they, they, they're embarrassed about it and they, they don't, um, they're not particularly academic. They start being little sort of troublemakers because they, they just, that they kind of feel, um, I don't know, like all the other kids are better than them and then it makes them angry they they turn into these angry kids because they think they're not good at anything whereas actually I think a lot of those kids 
are really creative and the ones I've met I just think oh you've got a really creative side you you should be doing this and it's that they're not no they're not good at maths they're not good at particularly interested in history they're not great at picking up things that they're not interested in but give them a pencil they might not be able to draw very well at that point but they love doing it so I think it's easy to think oh well what you know if if a kid's creative well then they'd be one of those kids that can naturally draw I don't actually think that's necessarily the case I think it's that they have it in them they have that ability to in them to to enjoy art and learn it but that's that side of their um character has just not been picked up on early enough yeah I mean I think when back when I was at school the art lessons weren't very structured no I don't even remember I mean we had art lessons but I can't remember anything about them well up until about our third year at school no in the senior school nobody would have a clue that I could draw no and yet I'd been drawing since I was a kid sort of thing Mm. you know I think I loved it sort of thing Mm. because I just didn't bother and it would be like draw imagine an alien landscape now draw the alien landscape with an alien in it well I couldn't do that because I had to see a reference photo yeah do you know what I mean yeah I'd be the same I'd be the same now terrible (laughs) so terrible so they'd have no clue that I could actually draw Mm. and it was only when we started doing things like from observation so they'd the next year I think they'd bring in you know a set of objects or something you'd have to draw them but then people oh she can actually draw yeah yeah I don't think you need to it's not necessarily about being able to draw it's about the fact that they enjoy being creative so that makes them then be the perfect kind of kid to encourage in that way yeah but someone's got to nurture it haven't they yeah that, that's that's thing I isn't mean. it it's good they've yeah. got to pick up on what so because i don't i've always believed that everyone is good at something everybody and yeah i mean if you're not good at geography maths history all those ordinary things then maybe you're going to be fantastic at cooking and learning how to put flavours together or um, taking photographs and composition or, yeah, drawing or painting or English, where maybe you're not good at punctuation or that sort of stuff, but perhaps you're brilliant still at coming up with stories. And it's just picking those... I just wish back then schools were better at picking up on that kind of thing actually i don't even know if they're that good at it now now. no i wonder if they are i don't think they're good at it now either i really don't i do you know who who are the best people to pick up on it the best people that pick pick up on that kind of thing is a creative person oh probably and i think that's why i think i pick that up when i see kids i just think no you're 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 a creative person you just don't know it (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I mean instead of throwing stones at that car why don't you collect the stones and make a little sculpture out of it you know anyway moving on I wish (laughs) I wish I hadn't been so worried about what other people thought of my drawings so the lack of confidence I had in my work when I was a beginner really really held me back because it stopped me getting out there it stopped me drawing in public in case someone looked over my shoulder these days I don't actually care because well first of all the likelihood of anyone I ever see outdoors is practically 
zero anyway if, to see them again anyway do you know what I mean we, but now you know when we've done our sketching trips in the past Tara we've had people looking over our shoulder and it's like oh well it's fine I don't I don't find myself launching myself over my sketchbook now again don't look don't look <laughs> which I would have done in the very beginning but yeah that's what I wish I wish I hadn't have worried that if somebody saw it what would they think because that it does it holds Do you, know you back what? you were talking you were talking about that lack of confidence mm. and um, not just with art, but it amazes me now. I see some of these um, quite young people on social media and they are amazing. Like they're about 17, something like that. I saw this girl the other day and she's got like a, a YouTube channel and she was talking about just about to go off to university. So I'm guessing, well, maybe she was 18, but she'd been running this podcast but oh my god so confident yeah and i think it's lovely i'm 52 <laughs> and i've never had an ounce of that confidence <laughs> i think though these days it's it's different because these days people are used to being online all the time in the public eye because of facebook and instagram and all that sort of stuff i mean Maybe. you know back when we were kids you know we would never have just got up and started dancing in a park and filming I ourselves still wouldn't. Because, you know, it just wouldn't have looked normal. It'd be like, everyone would have been looking going, what yeah. are they doing? That's so sad. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now it's kind of almost yeah. like you, you just look at a couple of girls dancing in a park and you assume they're making a reel of some description for their Instagram, don't you? It's, it's yeah. when you see people walking around talking to their phone and holding it out front and you know they're vlogging or, well, they might be yeah. FaceTiming, of course, but people are so used to that kind of thing now that I think it's almost become you because you've grown up with it it's a lot yeah I'm easier. sure it makes a difference and of course yeah. when you are teenagers you're full of confidence in a lot of ways aren't you like that I don't think I've ever been confident mm. even when I was a teenager no. I was probably worse actually yeah yeah I wish I was <laughs> and that's just another I wish I was I wish <laughs> I was confident when I was younger and I was confident now there we go <laughs> I wish I'd realised that you are far more aware of your own mistakes than other people are. Yeah. Because if you make a drawing and say you've dropped a blob of paint by mistake somewhere and you, you couldn't get rid of it totally, so there's this little tiny blob, you'll be staring at that. It's like when you've got a big zit on your face, isn't it? But <laughs> you think everyone is staring at this big zit, and they probably are, to be honest, staring at the big zit on your face. But on a painting... They don't really notice unless you tell them. And if they do see a blob, they think you've purposely put that blob for some reason. But it's meant to be there. So unless you point it out, no one's going to think anything of it. So don't point it out. And that's and what I used I to do that all don't the time. Point it out in the early yeah. days when I was when I had a blogspot blog long time ago I remember every every single drawing I posted it was like well I know the ellipse isn't right and I know the perspective is a bit off but and it would always be things like that oh I know this isn't my my best um work or and it would be apologizing for what I'd done wrong before I'd even got to the fact you know here it is and I always remember a friend of mine I'm sure it was Suzanne Berry a brilliant artist at the time and I remember she emailed me and said honestly you have to stop doing that because you're literally getting people to look at the stuff you're not happy with when they would never have even noticed it and they might have even liked it she was so so right and in fact I found myself saying that to a friend of mine I remember her putting this isn't everyone's cup of tea but 
And I texted her straight away. I said, take that down. You've got to take it down. You mustn't put that, you know, put, here it is, you know, ta-da, anything, but not, this is not everyone's cup of tea. So true. So true. You don't need to point out what you don't like. Just point out the things you do like about it, not things you don't, because no one else is going to notice. Or say nothing. Say nothing. Or say nothing. make up a little story about when you were painting it rather than pointing out the mistakes. Yeah. I wish that I had realised that in order to be a good artist, I had to get through being a bad one, even though it really wasn't about being bad at all. It was simply about being a beginner. And I wish I'd understood back then that no matter how long you work at it, all artists, no matter how experienced, are going to do a bad drawing from time to time. A bad drawing doesn't make you a bad artist. In fact, a bad drawing only makes you a better artist because, of course, you would have learnt something from it. So if you're constantly producing only great drawings, you're most likely not pushing yourself. And by not pushing yourself, you're going to probably stay static rather than progress. And this is partly why I'm so passionate, Tara, about what we do, because, you know, we like to encourage other people to accept themselves at the stage they are at right now and just look to get better. That's all they have to do. They don't need to look at anyone else. They just need to look at their own work and think, okay, now I need to improve on this. Now I need to improve on that. It's the only way. Yeah, definitely is. I wish I'd understood that what you enjoy doing changes over time. So what I like drawing at 15 isn't going to be the same as I like drawing in my 50s. But it, And it's kind of odd that you would actually think that, but I kind of think you do. So especially if you're someone who drew when you were a kid and then you're coming back to it now as an adult, yeah. don't assume that because you like drawing landscapes when you were a kid or because you like drawing dogs or whatever that you're going to like the same thing you need to take a bit of time to try different things out and find what you really like doing otherwise like me you'll perhaps return to it for a bit like over the years I've gradually had a little dabble again at your hand drawing things but I've always been a bit bored Mm. and I was bored because I was assuming that I still like drawing you know, a building or, you know, something that I'd like drawing as a, as a kid. And it's definitely not true. I mean, it's like probably even your tra- taste in art actually changes and what you look at and you like. So when I was 15, I used to like traditional art, like Constable and Turner. But nowadays I prefer much more loose and grungy stuff, even kind of graffiti type work I like. Yeah. I also wish that I realised that I would actually find an art style that's right for me. It would just take a bit of work. Because you get stuck into that mode that you think, oh, I'm never going to find a way of drawing that's something that you can, when I say repeat, I don't mean repeat in a bad way, but I mean that looks like you and that you're going to enjoy doing. So I got to that point with those colourful drawings when I thought I'd found, you know, my style. But then there was always something missing, that feeling, that feeling of enjoying the process and I got to the point where I'm thinking, I'm never going to work out actually how I how I enjoy painting. But you will get there. And you can speed it up with like challenges like, do you remember the 50 ways to draw a face challenge yeah. that we've now got? Mm. I mean, I think definitely doing something like that. If I now was trying to find my style again, I would set myself a challenge. I would work out what my niche was. 
So say you like drawing flowers. I say, right, I'm going to draw flowers for 50 days. I'm going to find myself a reference that I like. And I'm one reference, right? One reference photo or, or you know, you could be use your own photo or something. And I'm going to draw that in 50 different ways or paint that in 50 different ways. And I just think you learn so much from doing that. Because you've set the limits, haven't you? You've already narrowed mm. it down. But, but yeah. also, also, I think once you've found your art style and you've found your thing, don't always assume that that's all you should do and that you can't no. also enjoy other art styles at the same time I mean you know with my realism paintings I I love painting like that but I also really really enjoy making cartoons you know who'd have thought that you know would you believe that the same person who painted the wine bottles I've painted recently also drew Felicity Fizz running around with her hoover naked (laughs) who's the cartoon character there's mm-hmm. a wine thing going through there. Yeah, but you know what I mean? It's, you wouldn't, would you? If you put the no. two up in a, a gallery and you say, okay, is that the same artist? People go, no, that's ridiculous, of course not. But it's, it's not true. You don't have to just stick to one thing. Yes, okay, if you're selling, you might want to stick to selling the same, one particular style. It doesn't mean to say you can't have fun with other things as well, you know? Yeah, and also I think, like, I feel like I've, found a style that I really like but it doesn't mean that I don't want to push it Mm. so now I'm trying to think of different ways I can push it like can I introduce some collage or some layering or or something in there yeah so you can constantly be discovering even though you're kind of happy with what you're doing anyway I think we about wrapped that up oh yes I think I think we have I think um now I'm wondering what's going to happen in 10 years what we wish we would have known 10 years ago (laughs) that we know now (laughs) that'd be interesting wouldn't it (laughs) anyway shall we yes the the last question was if you could have your portrait painted by a famous artist living or dead who would it be and why i think you've got the first answer yes so i've got uh, nermus art gustav clint I love those hidden blues in skin tones and beautiful gold and geometric structured background which pulls in and out at the same time. It says the story of the muse. I've got Radius, Radiant Lotus Fine Art and she says, Frida Kahlo, maybe she'd add all my paints or a gory incident best forgotten. <laughs> I'm wondering what that <laughs> is. Yeah, me too. Jim Whaley Art, Alex Ross, I'm sure he could superhero style it like a mad lad. I've got Michael Beckett, Andy Warhol, because I think I would look good as a soup can. I really like that one. I love that one. I think it's so funny. (laughs) Hilary Milner, Salvador Dali. I could then be immersed in one of my many weird and crazy dreams. were. Mm. I've got Margaret Gray, Picasso. I think I'd like to be Cubist. Carol Dixon, John Singer Sargent. I've always loved his work. Of course, Holbein would be a good choice too. I've got Avian Co, Michelangelo, basically because he's Michelangelo. Susan Griep, Vincent van Gogh. He was a wonderful painter of people. I've got Imaginings by Karen. Gareth Reed, to be depicted in a painting with his style would be so captivating. I don't know who Gareth Reed is. Do you? No. We'll have to look him up. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Sutherland, Jiswaf Baczynski. It would be an absolute privilege apart from anything else. 
That is a tricky name. That's why I gave you that one. You know what? I, I was waiting for you to say something. I was waiting for you. Right, this this name, Jesław Brzezinski, I saw that, Char, uh, that um, Tara had given it to me and I thought, I know exactly why she's done that and you should see the spelling of this name. So I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to go online. I'm going to um ask how to pronounce Jesław Pachinski and um I'm going to get Google to speak it to me, which I did. And then I wrote it in ex- I wrote it exactly as it sounds <laughs> instead of the actual yeah, spelling yeah. which which now which I actually deleted because <laughs> I was I was going to go on to say Oh, do, have you not heard of him, Tara? You know, he's a Polish no. painter. I'd never heard of him either. Yeah, so I thought, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bluff. I, I did that. I... when we interviewed Coach Kuna. I wrote her name out phonetically because I knew I was going to get it wrong. You know, I, yeah. I wrote it out to read it. The problem is, I then forgot <laughs> and I put it in our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've actually pronounced this. I don't know if you've got on your notes how you print, how you spell it. You you said the spelling of Jisław Pajinski. Z Z Z D Z I S L A W. Okay, so how I've got it written down is J I S W U F. So yeah, yeah, I'm very impressed. So I've got Good. Kim <laughs> Hollenby, singer sergeant. I've seen some dazzling portraits by him. Oh, I do love Johnson and Singer Sargent's work. I really do. I'd like to get a book on his work, actually. Um, Rachel Redding, Alice Neal, love her style. And you got a new question? I have. And again, it's a question that I haven't told you what it is yet. (laughs) So I, I hope you approve. So the question for this time is, you have $1,000, which you can either spend on a piece of art or buy art materials which would you do and why? So mm. you have $1,000, which you can either spend on a piece of art or buy art materials. Which would you do and why? Uh, so, Tara, which would you do? I'd probably buy art materials because you can never have too much. Would you? Yeah, because unless I'd seen a specific painting that I already knew I wanted, mm. then I would immediately go to art materials. Yeah, it would be very tricky because... Oh, I'd be so torn because the thing is, a piece of art lasts forever, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, if you get so does the, right the oil kind. pastels in my drawer. <clears throat> <laughs> so I'd be I'd be tempted to buy a piece of art because I think that's something I can keep forever and ever. Yeah. Depends though whether you're just buying art to match the sofa or if you're buying art because you love the art. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'd, that would take some thinking about. Yeah, I think it'd be very hard to pass an art shop with a thousand. I say a thousand dollars. Can it be a I'm thousand pounds? Because nearly, it's worth slightly more. It could be a. It, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of course it is. So yeah, if you're in the UK, then we'll go for pounds, and if you're in the US, we're going for dollars. Okay, about Canada? Uh, yeah. So that's that's <laughs> what about Australia. Sorry. What about Canada? Australia. <laughs> you can go for your own dollars. You can choose whether it's American or your own. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and as always, you can tweet us your answers at Kit Creatives or let us know in the Facebook group, which you haven't already joined. I highly suggest you do. We'll put the question up there and also on the Facebook page and our Instagram page, which is Kicking the Creatives. 
So we hope that gave you the kick in the creatives you needed. And don't forget to pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. And of course, you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And on that note, if you are enjoying this podcast, we would love it if you would leave us a little review on um, iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on. Even just a star rating, it really, really does help support us. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our podcast sponsor, which is Evolve. You can watch a free 60-minute art class masterclass by going to kickinthecreatives.com forward slash Evolve webinar. And just a quick reminder about our new course. Don't forget, we have the early bird offer of just $29. And that's the course on uh, creating cartoons and characters. And you can find the link to the course on our website or go to kickinthecreatives.com forward slash cartoon course to find out more. Anyway, that's it for this week. That's it. See ya. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. I'd had a wee before we did this podcast. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs>